than most. Better than most. Critical takeoff. He falls into the pit. He's going to get spat out. Please make welcome the Ball and All podcast, James Tiger Woods, Beric Eckerbarts, and the king of speaking in the third person, Steve Condor Condo Condon. Here we are, Barnsy. We are back in the shed for, I think it's episode four of the Captain's Run. Episode four, Condo. Good to be back, mate. And good to see a familiar face across the table. But before I do, I just want to thank Benny Sattler, Satsbet, as he's known around town. Outstanding job. He uh, was Monday. He was outstanding. He was good first up. First cab off the rank. But great to see a familiar face and our star, uh, well, he's, what would you call it? He's not our star recruit, but kind of the guy who's on the biggest dollars in our sort of Well, I'm on nothing. Team. You're on maybe a little bit more than <laughs> Three nothing. Three-fifths of fuck all. He's on a lot. <laughs> I, get, I get my payments uh, for podcasts, a nice mandarins from Beric's Back Tree, get the occasional egg, and I also get to watch you guys get attacked by bees on occasion. So that's my payment. That does happen, James. But <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd just like you to be silent. I'd just like to welcome you. Did he say fucking barbecue? Yeah, you guys feel the heat. It's a fucking barbecue. That was Mezzy. Nice Mez. Our local legend, pizza shop. Lennox Pizza Pasta, Mezzi, outstanding. How much of a big crew that went up there. So this was Paul Fisher's concert in Brisbane at the River Stage. Yeah. Probably the best venue you can have for something like that because it's, uh, it's a big, steep amphitheatre on the river at Brizzy. Um, they're only allowed 10,000 people into the venue for a concert like that. And there's probably easily enough room for, I would say, 15,000, 16,000. So you've got a lot of room. Yeah. You're not shoulder to shoulder, really easy to get drinks, food, everything like that, and, and plenty of room to be down the bottom dancing. So we had, a, we had a sick time. So tell me about Fish. Like in terms of like global popularity now, like how, how big is he in that sort of, I don't know, what do you call it, a techno world? What yeah, is that he sort of? I guess you'd say his genre is sort of like a tech house, which is pretty electronic slash techno. It's a bit of a mix of a, a few different things, but he's right at the top. Now and it's 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 funny how quickly it's happened. Like he he worked really hard. He struggled for a while to really get things going and get popular. But once it happens, you get a couple of good songs. It can just turn with the click of fingers, and that's kind of what's happened. And and he's gotten better and better. And his show, his actual production of his show, that was what I was blown away by. I'd never seen him live, so it was cool. I was blown away by the fact, that, like, sorry, not the fact, the size of his bodyguards. Yeah, he had a big, big, uh, a big personal security guard. It was funny. We were all there together. Obviously, met met at the hotel before we went out there, and uh, we all sort of got over there on our own way. And um, I got out the back, gave him a tried to tackle him just because I was pumped up. Everyone was fired up. We hadn't seen each other for ages. Anyway, his security guard sort of walked over. I go, all right, who's that? And he goes, it's my security guard. I go, the fuck do you need that for? And he goes, for dickheads like you trying to tackle me and piss, <laughs> wreck me shirt before I play. So. Was he as big as Nelson? Yeah, he looked like Nelson to solve a solid mono. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he, he kind of needs, I guess, the security so no one's jumping on stage and trying to throw the decks off or, you know, try and oh, tackle yeah. him while he's playing. It's more so like that because there's a lot of people around. It's kind of easy to get on the stage. 
It's mostly so I think everything keeps rolling and he can play his music and put on a good show. Well, there's a lot to look forward to this weekend around the grounds. Um, I'm pumped. There's so much good sport coming up, starting with T20. Uh, the Packies last night knock off uh, NZ. Yeah, well, New Zealand were probably the most best and most consistent team of the tournament, but Pakistan have snuck in by the scruff of their neck. Like, South Africa are losing to the Netherlands. You would never have picked it. So, it's Pakistan scrape in, and they were outstanding last night. Their bowling was on point, restricted New Zealand to... Not many. And uh, the two batsmen we've talked about all tournament, Bubba Azam and uh, Muhammad Rizwan, hadn't got a run all tournament. Two of the best players in T20 cricket. They lit it up last night. And they kind of make it look easy, don't they? The good guys, like the real powerful guys I've noticed watching all the cricket is if they're playing well, they're not actually really swinging that hard. And not, uh, not a lot of them anyway. They can just move the ball over the fence easily. Yeah, timing, wasn't it? Yeah. And th- look, their bowling attack is probably what keeps them in the game. They're restricted. On no team scored over 150 or 155 against them, I think. So that's going to keep them in a real shot. But, Conde, you're pumped about what's going on tonight, and that's India or England. Well, I'm just pumped. I want to see a matchup on Sunday night at the MCG, Pakistan v India. <laughs> like, what? what it'll, it'll blow up every one of the seven TV channels dedicated to cricket in India on Sunday night. I reckon the case. electricity will turn off in India. <laughs> it'll just run it. It'll just blow itself. They'll blow a mate. I, I really hope England get beaten because I just want to see that final. And I'd love yeah. to see Pakistan win. Um, On to the NRL. Well, let's uh, quickly just um, knock out the CBA agreement. It looks like it's done. Um, all the leaks seem to be uh, correct. And it looks like the deal will be that clubs will get the grant of the salary cap, so roughly 10 or 11 mil, plus 5 mil. So that's up on salary cap plus 1.6. So it's a decent increase. So we're now, with this last TV deal, moving into a period where most clubs should start to uh, turn a profit, opposed to, historically, it's really only been Souths and the Broncos. But does that mean that their business has run any better, or does it just mean that they get more money from the... Uh, the the governing body, hence they don't, they don't have a you know a deficit. They've just got more money because of the help from above. Well, hopefully they do, and we'll get on to our homework, the deep dive into global sports numbers, and it's big business. So if you can run your business as well, you can yeah. turn, you know, billionaires or, or people like Russell Crowe or private owners, the Broncos or whatever, you can you can turn some good numbers, but it's got to be run like a business. Quick question on the NRL clubs: Is if you bought one, say us three just chipped in. <laughs> Spent ten million on a club, whatever they're worth, like Russell Crowe did. Can you make money from an NRL club? Like, if we got the right people running it, could we all make a profit? Like, live off. Well, I think Souths is a good example. It's been run very well. They've had smart people there. It's uh, not every every year since Russell and uh, Peter Holmes are caught bought it, um, but most years it now turns a decent profit. And what's that? A couple of mil or yeah, something? Not like? much more than that. Yep. But it doesn't lose money. I yeah. think that's the big yeah. thing. Doesn't lose money. I think if, and I also think with this deal, I don't think it has any ramifications in terms of where the ladder and what your team's going to be at. You're still getting the same yeah. salary cap. Yeah, yeah. It just means that clubs now can spend a shitload on facilities, sports science, maybe buying in more coaches. I'm guessing, but. In terms of and, and pr- probably getting your recruitment and that sort of stuff in order if you're really smart, but I think the haves and the have-nots are just going to continue to get wider until they get a draft or something else happening in the comp. Quick question for you: You've just become the quick uh, the kicking coach for the Newcastle Knights, or you, you're helping through their preseason. Yeah. If you got five million to the Knights, or, or or a club, what would you use it for? Obviously, you can't use it for the players to bring new players in, but what could what what would be the 
off the top of your head to improve. Oh, so five mil outside the salary cap. Yeah, you know yeah, how right. you're saying yep. everyone. Yep. Like, what would what would you do off the top of your head? What would be something you'd use it for? You'd have to get your you got to get your pathways and your recruitment sorted. Yeah. That's the only way you can compete with yeah. some of these clubs, and it's a long term plan a, for a lot of these clubs who are sitting down the bottom of the ladder. And for Newcastle's case, they've got a massive junior base, so and they need to circle off that area and make sure they own it and. I'm sure that money could do it because they don't need it for their facility. Their facility is fucking second to none. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's probably like what you got at the Tigers. Yeah. But facilities, 100 I mean, kilos, Woody, is still 100 kilos when yeah. you're lifting it. doesn't matter what it looks yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you've got to get it into your pathways and your systems. That's where I'd be spending it. Very good point. Uh, we've got some great games this weekend. So early Saturday morning, I think it's like 5.30 kickoff, we've got uh, – the Aussies versus uh, the Kiwis. Aussies are still firm favourites to win the whole thing. And then very early Sunday morning, I think like 1.30 in the morning, we've got England versus Samoa. Um, some great matchups. Uh, the big change probably is DCE moving off the bench, Ben Hunt on. Uh, Kiwis side, my God, that pack and the rotation they have off the bench in the pack. Scary, scary. Um, JWH has been left out, interestingly. Um, and then you get to Samoa, who started off, got belted by 60 by the Poms, and they're playing each other in a semi-final um, Sunday morning. I'm going to go Aussies to win and Samoa for the upset. Big call. Woody, you spoke before the podcast in terms of Australia getting his selections right. I reckon they have as well. Yeah. I think I think this plan to start Ben Hunt at nine is a smart one and then bring mm. Harry Grant on after about 25 minutes, similar to what Penrith do with Api Corusau. Uh He's probably been player of the World Cup. He's been exceptional. <laughs> they, they've just got, across the board, the Aussie guys, especially now they've got Cleary. Cleary knows he's going to stay in here. He's confident. Yeah. He's playing with Munster, who's also on fire. And then you've got Grant coming off the bench to just spark all that speed. Mm. Latrell's playing well. But I don't know. Good we, luck we, to anyone else. We said it prior. New Zealand, for them to stand a chance, their big pack has got to step up and they've got to physically bash Australia. But I reckon the reason why they've left Warrior Hargraves out is they've got to be disciplined because mm. if they lose yeah. blokes to the bin, they won't be in the hunt. Nah. So I think Madge has taken the gamble and said, I know we've got to be physical, I know we've got to bash them, but we've got to be disciplined at the same time. So, Barnsley, quick question from uh, our guest panellist on Monday, Satsbed. Yeah. Okay, the Aussies give 12.5 start to the Kiwis. Would you like to take the t- Kiwis with 12 and a half start or would you like to give it? I honestly don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Auntie, please. Okay, so I, I personally think Australia are absolutely going to flog them. Like, Do you? Yeah, I think okay. it'll be high 30s to around 12. Okay, well, we won't worry about getting an I answer from Barry. I, I think once it gets going, once the boys get going, especially second half, they're going to flog these guys. It'll be... Oh, that's my... I reckon 24 plus, easily. I reckon England find, finds a way against Samoa. Okay. I do. There you go. Two great matchups. Uh, on to the rugby. Wallabies, heartbreaking um, last couple of minutes against uh, France last week, beaten. Real hard one playing Italy. Um, they've been in good form. Belted Samoa, Barnsley. I don't know, can we bounce back and beat Italy? We have to. We can't have a down week this week. This is a crucial one for us. All the goodwill we've built up with the win over Scotland and then pushing France the wire. I think this is a game that we've just got to get over the line in. And it'll be a tough one because traditionally you get up for that France week, big game, but 
it's the dip in Italy. You go to Italy, Florence, you kind of, as much as you talk about not, you kind of dip just that little bit. And it's always a tough one. So um, just a quick a bit of a different one for you. Uh, 85th Wallaby captain, Alan Alatoa. Yeah. So congratulations to him. And if you see a guy on the wing for Italy that kind of looks familiar, it's actually Digby Ioni's brother, Monty. He's playing for them. Spent a number of years over there uh, playing in the Italian comps, got his passport. So got a couple of tries last week against Samoa, which is his traditional heritage. So that would have been an, uh, an interesting one for him. Quick question to you two. Greatest ever Australian rug, uh, rugby union captain. So the best Wallabies captain, in your opinion, that you've seen, played under, or you know, you've heard of from past eras, I guess. Straight off the bat, without thinking too hard, I'd say George Gregan. And why is that? Just... How, how he played? Led by example. Yeah. And he, and he, and he never really, except for the, the back end of his career when he ran out of form and obviously uh, age, um, he was just always on the park. Yeah. Yeah, I think you've, look, most successful wise, it's John Eels. Yeah. And, but whether he was the best captain or just played in an era that was just a phenomenal era. Like just a talented. Hard to know, but I think, you know, you look at his leadership and, and what he brought to it. And when he stepped up in big games, I don't think you can ever forget that Bledisloe and Wellington when he kicks the goal on the siren. Oh, yeah. When uh, Burke yeah. goes off injured, that's, that's right up there for me. One for you, Woody. Uh, George Grigan can't swim. Okay. So, true story. We're staying at Condo's place some years ago doing a. Uh, a camp with, uh, with Scotty Wisemannel, um, attack coach for the Wallabies, uh, knocked on my door, uh, my office door, and said, Kondo, I'm going over to have a swim. I didn't realise he couldn't swim. And Wisey then walked in to grab him and take him over to Williams Reserve, said, where's George? I said, he's gone for a swim. Wisey shat himself. Kondo, he can't swim. Bolted across to the beach, pulled him out of the water. Imagine, it, imagine if we lost him at sea. <laughs> in Lennox. Condo Hopefully he doesn't have a pool. Like, I don't know. That's crazy. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, so, Barnsley, get off the fence this weekend. Very interesting. 30 years after the fact, Jeff Fanick has been awarded his fourth world title. Yeah, big news. I suppose this is unprecedented, really. No one's ever retrospectively given out a world title and, and and changed the result. I, I love it for Jeff because he was robbed in that fight against Azuma Nelson, no question about it. But if I'm, you know, if I'm getting off the fence, I don't agree with because of the can of worms it opens up. Have they done it in like Olympic sports, for example, like retrospectively? No, we'll look at Raylene Boyle. Like yeah. Why shouldn't she get a gold medal if, yeah. you know, the um, drug takers, the drug takers from um, was it Eastern Germany, yeah. you know, and then you've got, oh, there's just been so many, you know, even in Olympic boxing, you know, where people have been robbed. You know what intrigues me with this is um, I wonder who pushed the barrow 30 years after to get this, um, get this sort of signed off. And, well, from all reports, a big ceremony in Vegas. Um, the presentation took all his family over there. Yeah, Duran Duran, Hagler and all yeah, them were there. They were there to um, present. Yeah, I... I don't know. I couldn't from the articles. I couldn't see how they came up with this either. I suppose when you think about the sports that could potentially, you know, look back on the past and actually retrospectively give out world titles and change this, in boxing's one they probably could. Because Woody, I'm thinking you could get independent judges and look at it and go, well, it's pretty clear who won the fight. I feel like if there's any sport, it's probably the easiest one to call, really, isn't it? To like from 20 years ago or. 30 years ago, whatever, yep. you can still make a fair judgment. But especially if you've got proper TV angles yeah. and that sort of stuff. But it just really does open a can of worms. I think it's great for Jeff personally because mm. he deserved the win and he becomes part of an illustrious crew. I think there's only 16 or 17 box in the history of the world who've got four division world titles. 
I think a question for our viewers out there, a question you guys can call in and ask us. Do you mean listeners? Listeners, sorry, not our viewers, but our <laughs> listeners. Who, from memory, has had the worst sporting decision go against him? It can be in an individual. Ooh, that's, that's a great sport. Ma- you know what? Maybe that's our. Uh, you know, that's our question for Monday. Yeah. Well, who who's had the yeah. worst decision? It can be a team, an individual. So not an upset, just the worst decision. Yeah, like something from something memory. That just you know, like stands you, out like you, dogs' balls. You're like mind blown that it. Yeah. You know, they yeah. got the gold medal. Well, or they I, won the world title. On that note, send it into our Instagram. Yeah. yeah. On podcast, send in who you think has been. Rob the most. Yep. And we're getting a lot of traction with our question time, Barnsley. We're getting a lot of questions that are coming in via uh, direct messages on Instagram, so keep doing it. And this week we've got a question from uh, the English fast bowler. Here he goes. All right, lads. English fast bowler here coming in from Halifax. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Bloody love the show. Was over over there and I was early 2000s, hung around the village there, Lennox and Byron. Plenty of top blokes. I see you got Jamie Lyon over there now. Man of Steel, one of the greats. Should be a legend. Should be knighted. Anyway, I divulge. My mum was from Adelaide. Dad from up north. Got deep, deep, deep love affair with Australia. Australian sport. Question of the week. Here's one for that surfer lad. Woody, you call yourself. Mate, what was the greatest surf, surf performance by an Australian in the last 20 years. Answer me that one. All right, lads, keep it up. English fast bowler. Did he call you surfer boy? I don't know, but... <laughs> I loved Woody. Mate, I just love the fact that he's calling in from Halifax. I didn't know we had people listening from Barnsley, we're, Halifax. We're, we're, we're being listened to in 26 countries. Imagine if Jesus. you went and did work experience in Halifax oh. and you're like Australian and then you had to have conversations throughout the day with that... That accent. Yeah, that accent. I... Fucking didn't know what half the stuff he said, but I did hear the surfing stuff. The best, the best Australian surf performance in the last twenty years. So from two thousand and two, off the top of my head, probably Mick Fanning getting over the bubble of Andy Irons and Kelly Slater in two thousand and seven. That's a good he took one. the title. Um, that was huge because I was, you know, obviously one of my favourite surfers. Really wanted him to get over the bubble of Andy and Kelly. Um, the previous world title before that was from Oki in two thousand or ninety nine. Sorry. And then the other couple I was thinking of, uh, um, obviously Joel Parker won in 2012. He lost a heartbreaker in 09 where he was leading, won the first three out of five events and hurt his ankle and ended up losing to Mick right at the death at Pipe. And then he sort of had the redemption and won in 2012. And then, But for me, probably Steph Gilmore this year. Yeah. She won uh, five heats in a row to then have the surf off. And beat Carissa at the best of three. Um, you know, no one really thought that was going to happen. She hadn't been surfing great by her standards for the year. But she turned it on, had, had an absolute blinder. And it, I felt like, looking back at it, Carissa got to watch her just slowly march through yeah. the four other su- girls. And she got to her and it was kind of, I think psychologically, she kind of already had the edge before they even paddled out for the first heat of the best of three. It's a good point you touch on because next week we'll drop that uh, potty we have with Macy Callahan. Yeah. And she said that same thing. She said by the time um, Steph had gotten to that, what was it, the last heat of that, you could just see Carissa sweating there yeah, going, jeez, I hope I don't have to face her here. And, and the beauty of what they had, they really wanted to have the best two girls and they're probably the best two girls in the last 15, 20 years, you oh, would say. For sure. If yeah. you looked at it. And they haven't really ever matched up 
in a final heat for a world title. So sick for Steph. And that's probably, I think, uh, probably the biggest thing. She takes over Lane Beachley, eight world titles, most world titles for a surfer in Australia, most world titles that's for a huge, lady. mate. Unbelievable. Fucking amazing. She's a great person. So, Condo, with those questions, where do people get in touch with us if they want to send in their questions? The easiest way is just direct message on Instagram. Okay, yep. awesome. Thanks, English Fast Bowler. Yeah, that was a great question. Great answer. Woody, uh, Steph, yeah, all-time legend. Um, <clears throat> homework. Well, I haven't done any homework since I left school, which was quite some time ago. But for, <laughs> for James and Beric, Condo's done some homework this week. So it's a deep dive into sports numbers. So... Firstly, to answer Woody's question earlier on, can you make money out of a sports franchise? If you get it right, you can make a lot of money. NFL is the best example. So uh, recently, uh, Forbes, Forbes uh, released a, uh, basically a summary each year. Um, super interesting. So of the 50 biggest franchises, sporting franchises in the world, uh, 26 are NFL. Okay, to give you an example of how big NFL is, their 2023 TV right contract is $10 billion per year versus Premier League soccer, which is 2.1. Jesus, Five $10 times. billion. Rightio, so give me, all right, give so me the on, stats on the Hang on, teams. so 50 of the most valuable sports franchises, and this includes two years of COVID, have increased in value by 55% in the last five years. So your top 50 have. Yep. So, okay, right, rattle off your top 10 of the top, the sporting teams. You just stop asking questions. Condo will keep giving the numbers. <laughs> Value by sport. NFL, $140 billion, nearly four times the next closest sport. NBA, $40 billion. Baseball, $30 billion. And surprisingly, EPL, $25 billion. Now, to answer your question, Barnes, if you go to franchises, Dallas Cowboys bought in 1989, okay, for $150 50 mil, is now valued at $9 billion. Okay. Jerry Jones, wouldn't he be laughing all the way to the bank? In 2019, yeah. in a COVID year, they turned a profit profit of $425 million. Jesus. Okay, making up the... These are the inter, interesting ones for me in the top 20. So number two, New England Patriots, NFL. Number three, Golden State, so NBA. Number four, the Yankees, baseball. Okay, then when you get outside the top 10, most of the, the rest of the top 10 is NFL clubs. You get to Real Madrid at 13, Barcelona, and surprisingly Manchester United at 19. All right, so that, that okay, that all that all's fine. But then how do you get to the individual player salaries and soccer be so high? I think it's probably the surety of, uh, against injuries, whereas NFL contracts are, di- are structured differently. Right. So they're a lot more. Um, they seem to be fifty-two players in an fifty-five or fifty-five in an yeah, NFL squad yeah, plus no. practice squad. Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Instead of having, they usually have an EPL side have about twenty-three. Yeah, and they're a lot more prone to not take as many risks as you know with the big contracts and less their quarterbacks. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, we'll rattle off who are the top earners. So the then. individual earners, surprisingly, um, you, you're correct. The top couple of soccer players. So Messi, number one, at one hundred and thirty mil. LeBron, 120. Ronaldo, 115. Steph Curry at fifth. He's earning 95. Durant, uh, Durant and Federer, 90. And uh, the old man, Tom Brady, is earning 85. Now, surprisingly with those numbers, roughly two-thirds of those earnings are off-field or off-court. Okay, yeah. so it's your sponsorship stuff, so your Nikes and your Adidas. Yeah. And so Ronaldo and Messi, I think, from what I read, are... Uh, Last year, they roughly earn from their clubs, their payments per week. Their match payments are about 500 
thousand euros per week. That's what they make every Saturday, <laughs> just before you run out. So that's their that's sort of their that's the benchmark for a soccer player. The top earners. I don't think the guys underneath them, the new guys, sort of Mpapi and Neymar and those guys. I think they're around four hundred, maybe three fifty. Four hundred thousand yes. euros. That's a week. how they get. That's how they do it. Don't know, weekly payments. They do they? match day payments. Yeah. Oh. So we'll, we'll come back to it in a couple of weeks, but um, and we'll do a deep dive into your top sporting earners and their best investments, which is really telling. Yeah, but okay. uh, we'll just on this one. We'll just leave it on this note. So the top earning sportsman globally in the last 30, 40 years um, is Tom Brady. Is he really correct? Is it just because of what TB12 and everything he's got outside of it or what? Oh, and the longevity. He's like, what, 65? So it's not Michael (laughs) Jordan? No. Really? No, no, that's still playing. Just actually as a player in terms of playing earnings. What they've earned as a player. Okay, I get it, I get it. So we've taken completely marketability and all that off the table. That makes sense. Just like club earnings. Yep. So so we need to look, I think, for for our listeners out there, we need to look at who has made... The best investments with their money that's a sports person in the last 20 years. Let's, so let's, let's go in and see. Or the last 25 years. We'll do the deep Who's dive. done the best with their money? And, and maybe we'll look the week after that who's done the worst. Yeah, that broke, that documentary. Yeah, maybe yep. that's not a bad one to watch, the ESPN 30 for 30. Coming anyway, yeah. Well done. Hey, Kondo, well done, mate. Did you like Seriously. That? I don't even understand what 12 and a half start means in betting, but I got a little, I got the gist of what you were saying there. Well, it sounds like well, California just, and New York is it's where just the 12 and a half points start ahead of the start. So, like, if you started on zero, what do you give up? He's got oh, no idea. Right. Actually, just, just, on, just finishing up on that note, still to this day, California is the biggest sports market as far as sponsorship uh, globally by a country mile. New York is second, but a long way second. Silicon Valley. Right. Balls okay. deep, Barnsley. You're first up. Yeah, I'm going to throw out there the all-black number nine, Aaron Smith. I don't know if too many will know, but he just became the most capped all-black back of all time. So they've had some greats. You know, you rattle off Dan Carter and, you know, Jonah Lomu and these sort of guys off the top of your head. But a tiny little bloke, it just gives hope to anyone out there. Rugby is a game for all sizes. The most capped all-black back is a tiny little bloke and probably the smallest kid that would have gone through his school. So to Aaron Smith, mate, well done. Is that the Aaron Smith that uh, was caught in the toilets? <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, it actually is that Aaron Smith. Um, yeah, look, don't obviously wear your all-black suit and meet up with a, uh, I don't know, what you'd call a, a dalliance, a liaison, um, whilst you're en route to some overseas destination and use the... Uh, the, yeah, the restroom, um, especially the disabled one. I'll tell you what is funny from that uh, that thing. The bloke who actually wrote in the complaint, he wrote in brackets, whilst I personally do not have a problem with this, my wife was deeply offended that we saw Aaron Smith enter the toilets with so-and-so and come out at a... Yeah, so anyway, look, the good thing for Aaron Smith is he overcame that and went on to play another 40 or 50-odd tests since then, so... Moral of the story, you can get over that stuff. Balls deep for Condo this weekend is our uh, great uh, our great mate, Louis, uh, uh, Louis Muller. So he is, uh, I think he's in charge of sound or production or something for Fisher this weekend in Sydney at the Domain. Good on him. He does a WSL, he does a swell in, he does us, mate, the man. And he's just had a newborn as well, so pretty fair effort from Louis. Good on you, mate. What mind. can't he do? <laughs> oh, I don't know. He does everything here at the ball and all pretty much. I reckon he'll be on the mic soon. Um, balls up. 
I know you've got strong voice on this one uh, this week, Woody. Oh, just disappointing. You know, we're getting to the pointy end of the tw- T20 World Cup. Australia's not there. We'd won the previous one last year. I think poor coaching, soft decisions on selection. Feel like the arrogance of thinking we could just do it easily on home soil. I hope they make some changes leading into the rest of the summer. We don't want a disappointing summer. Here's something for maybe get off the fence in a couple of weeks or maybe next week. Do we think David Warner should be and could be a captain of the Australian team going forward? Let's leave mm. it for now because we don't have time. Which, which genre? I know. It could be any genre. I'm just saying I'm going to throw it out there soon for the next time. I reckon we keep that the uh, up our sleeves. I can see you really want to. You really want to well, go hard on that one, the right? Beautiful, now. beautiful thing is, it's the final word. The final word. Okay, All James. Right. Fuck David Warner being Australian cricket captain. <laughs> fuck that. Really? Yeah. No, I fuck it. I, I reckon he's he's done his uh, he's done his time. He should be our one day captain. There you go. All right. Right. That final word for you. I'm going to throw it out there to the uh, the Lennox Head Public School. So oh. yes, the cricketers. Woody, your former alma mater. Yep. Um, Never. I don't think we ever made it out of like playing one game for the, our school. Nah. So there's a uh, state cricket knockout on for primary school kids, and if they can win next Tuesday, they go to Sydney for the first time in their history. So this it, is uh, this would be a massive achievement for a bunch of kids in a so tiny small epic. town. They don't have a name for their cricket team, Woody. Um, I figured you'd be the man to come up with it. I've got one purely off being at that school and stuff that I can remember from the school. And one of the things is the magpie that swoops you up the back <laughs> of the school. So I'm going to call them the swooping magpies from Lennox Head. I love it. Go and get them, boys. Rip in this weekend. Fire up. Okay, Condo's last uh, final word. Barnsley, this will just help educate you with point start and all the rest of it. Condo's multi for the weekend. Aussies in the league to beat New Zealand. Okay. Uh, Pakistan to beat, I would think it's going to be India on Sunday night in the World Cup. And we're going to follow it into Monday morning, Jason Day to finish top 20, uh, $6.85 the multi's paying, and oh, we are on. We're on. I chucked 10 on that. Let's go. Do you understand any of that, Barnsley? <laughs> I didn't understand a word of that. Love you, sports bet. <laughs> <laughs>